0: Okay, Hillside, we have 35 minutes left. And I would like us right now just kind of just close our eyes and just connect with the Lord. Because these next 35 minutes are the most important minutes of this day for all of us. Because we're here to receive from the Lord, we're here to have the Holy Spirit minister to us. And so if there's things that are bothering you, just say, Here they are, Lord. Because we want God to come to you today. Lord, we just come. We thank you, Jesus, for everything that's already been said. Lord, for the worship. Lord, for the testimonies. But Lord, right now we cry out to you. We ask for your Holy Spirit to minister to us. You know that when we walk out those doors, our mind and our emotions and our will are bombarded by so many other different things. You know the problems that try to arrest our thinking and arrest what you're doing in our heart. And we pray for that spiritual life that comes from you to download into us. I pray for anyone who is here today who has not accepted you, that you would begin to let them experience your love today. That you would begin to draw them into that place where they might respond to you and begin this walk with you. Come, Holy Spirit. You're aware of us in the most intimate way. God, you know, and it says in your word that you know our thoughts. Even when we're far off from you, you know our thoughts. And we ask, Lord, that you would just come to us today. Lord, strengthen our families. God, strengthen us spiritually. God, strengthen us in those places that we're weak. God, fill us up with your love today. Lord, you know all the things that try to get our attention and all the things we use and do to try to fill the emptiness inside of us. But, Lord, it's you. It's our spirit being connected with you is what really is going to satisfy us. Come to us, Lord, in Jesus' name. been really talking about um, moving forward individually and as a a church. And if you're visiting here today, don't disqualify uh, the message from uh, what God wants to do. He wants every person involved in a a local church community. I love what Denise said that we're not a local church, we're a community. Yes, we are a, a community of believers. But God has called each person who has received Jesus Christ to be intimately involved with the community of believers that they might grow spiritually and then give back with those spiritual gifts that God empowers each person who believes in him to, to have. But I've really been talking about uh, in how Joshua, how Joshua took that generation and went into the promised land. And it's been on my heart for over a month about our congregation, what God's doing in us individually and corporately because he's taken us all into a new place. He's taken us all into a new place of understanding what our inheritance is in him and that inheritance not only is about our spiritual nature and our spiritual life and our future here, but it's about what God even does in our life in the natural. Appreciate James even sharing about a tithing. You know, again, partnering with God when we, we give up our our 10th to him, we are actually having seed that is sowing into our own lives for future harvest. And God is, challenges us in Malachi uh, to do that. So why? So he can bless us even more. But uh, our key verse today is Second Peter 1, 3-4. And again, the focus is about our inheritance. Peter says, For his, Christ Jesus' divine power, has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to life and godliness through the full personal knowledge of him who called us by and to his own glory and excellent virtue. By means of these, he has bestowed on us his precious and exceeding great promises so that through them you may escape by flight from the moral decay, rottenness, and corruption that is in the world because of covetous lust and greed and become sharers, partakers of the divine nature. So this thing that we do when we receive Jesus Christ and our spirit is made alive and born again, it brings us into a whole new spiritual dimension and it connects us with the kingdom of God from which the Bible says that from heaven, the doors and the flow of God's provision even comes in a greater way. Before Christ, we are separated. We're, all we have to do is uh, what's what's going on in the world and our influences over our soul, our mind, world, and emotions is totally in this life. But when we realize we need a Savior, when we re- realize that we are sinners and accept Christ and we receive Jesus, our spirit is made alive. And so that emptiness has a place to begin to be filled. And it's about knowing Jesus. It's about walking with him. It's about so growing spiritually that you're hearing God down in your heart and you're able to uh, benefit. You know the uh, the more wisdom you have, the more understanding and knowledge, you know, the more you can uh, adapt and adjust your life or the decisions you have. Those of you in your careers and how you do your work, the more understanding you have, the more knowledge you gain, uh, the more wisdom and insights by what you go through, you are, are better able to do your job. But it's that same way spiritually. Through Jesus Christ, just coming and filling a place in our spirit, we are uh, jumped to it, this whole new level of being able to experience what God has for us. Um, Again, I want to go back to Joshua. I hope you're not going to get tired of these few verses, but I feel like they have some great significance. Again, Joshua is the book of uh, Israel going into the promised land, and it's also a type for us believers that when we receive Jesus Christ, the land that we have to occupy and take over is the land of of our soul. What has happened to us in the past, those things that we've done that Satan tries to use to condemn us, and, and keep us from growing spiritually or keep us from feeling good enough to do anything, if he can keep us in our past sins by reminding us what we did, then he keeps us from our inheritance. In Christ, the Bible says that Jesus has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. In the deepest part of the ocean, which I hear is the Marianas Trench, uh, that's how far down our sins are. And if you were to ask God right now about your sins, that if you've already confessed, he'd say, what sins? I don't know. That's the power of forgiveness. And God wants us to be able to move forward in our, uh, in our thinking, in our feelings, and our emotions, to be able to put the past behind us and live in this inheritance and discover this inheritance of what God has for us as we live out our life now on this earth. So here's Joshua 5, starting with verse 4. Lately, you've been noticing, I've been reading a lot out of the Amplified. And it, this is the reason Joshua circumcised them, the next generation. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they came out of Egypt. Again, that generation who had been in the wilderness and because of their disobedience and being afraid to go into the promised land because they saw the giants, they pulled back in fear and so they wandered for 40 years and that generation of warriors died because they, they were in disobedience. And that circumcision was a, was a physical act back then but as we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, when we go through the water baptism experience, there's a circumcision of the heart that happens and, a, and the Holy Spirit begins to do a work to set us free from those things that keep us in bondage. And the Holy Spirit helps set us free in our minds, in our emotions, in our will, so that we can overcome as we go in and really live a new life in Christ. Verse, um, the next verse, verse 6. For the Israelites walked 40 years in the wilderness till all who were were men of war who came out of Egypt perished because they did not respond to the voice of the Lord. To them the Lord swore that he would not let them see the land which the Lord swore to his fathers to give us a land flowing with milk and honey. Again, the land. Again, all of them. It's for everyone. And I feel like prophetically what I've been feeling for our church uh, and for people is God wants to do something of incredible change in our lives. God wants to move us past whatever it is that's trying to refine or define you and keep you. Whatever wilderness you've walked through, whatever season that's held you, whether it's grief or loss or finances or relationship problems or uh, dealing with your past, that God has you in the place right now and he's about ready to change everything for you. And even as as you're here in church and as you get into a local church, there's something He's going to do in your change that's going to affect the body. I think it was, uh, it's really something that we had people testify today about what's going on in their life. Obviously, God is doing something in our lives to transform and change us. And what is He doing? He's getting us ready to move forward. And as each person is moving forward in God, as they're placed in a body, they are going to move that body forward too. And we can see the work of the Holy Spirit bringing us into a whole new dimension and a whole new effectiveness together. Joshua 5:8. When they finished circumcising all the males of the nation, they remained in their places in the camp till they were healed. Again, that process, you know, when God begins to change us, when some of us are coming back to a new place of having a circumcision of the heart where we realize, man, even like Kat, your word was incredible today about being able to come back no matter how many times. God wants to forgive you, and he wants to get you back up on your feet, but he wants to move you forward. And this circumcision, this change that he's doing spiritually in all of us right now, it's so that we can all move forward. And I was reading just something in my uh, my reading this week, my personal reading, I was reading in Acts. Let's go to Acts uh, 27. This will be verse 30 and 32. And it's interesting. You know, Paul's on that... uh, that ship, 276 people. And it's that thing where the Holy Spirit warns Paul, and Paul's a prisoner, and Paul wo- is warned by the Holy Spirit that this voyage is too late in the season. Winter is coming on. It's not a good time to sail. But because they wanted to leave this port, uh, it looked very fair weather. But as soon as they sailed out, and out, the storm started. And so they've gone 14 days in the most incredible typhoon you could ever think of. And these guys are on board. They're some incredibly strong sailors. And I tell you, at the end of 14 days, it says they had neither seen uh, land or sun or stars or anything. You know that they were shaken to the very core. You might call this voyage a wilderness experience. But they're at this place where, where God is about to do something. And it's almost like you sometimes you go through the worst. You go through the worst of a season. You go through the worst in a wilderness or a trial before everything changes. And at the very point when you think nothing is going to happen, that's usually when God comes, comes through. So let's read verse 30. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down a skiff into the sea under the pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. And when you think about what's going on, God is promising to deliver all these guys together, but there could not even have been a handful of men escaping on their own that it would have just brought defeat and loss for all the rest of the people. I think that's interesting that there are seasons when God moves us corporately and collectively together We're all in a place where God's wanting to change and do something powerful that transforms our life and transforms our experience so that there will be many more stories and testimonies because people are experiencing real change. I I just love how my brother-in-law said, you know, the the transformation that had that Jesus became real in what he just went through. And I tell you, I don't know about you, but that's one thing about a wilderness. A wilderness will keep you in a place where it's safe, it's secure, but we get bored there. It's, it's a place where, yes, it's comfortable and we, we can predict and know what's happening, but it's a place where we are really in death. We are not living life. We're living uh, as like rabbits in a hole. And I tell you, God wants to move all of us. This is uh, another favorite part I've been just really praying about the last few weeks. This is Joshua 5, 9-12. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you, so that the name of the place is called Gilgal, rolling rolling away. Remember we been talking about this, that there are things that we go through in our life, again, as we're identifying with Joshua and identifying with God and what he's doing in our life spiritually, that God has, takes us through seasons where he rolls off things that have intimidated us, shame, our past failures, and Gilgal is a rolling away. It's a spiritual act that God does where he takes away something that has had a major negative effect on our life. And I believe even in this place where God's getting us ready to move forward into the, to our, each, our promised land and what God wants us to do as a, as a community of believers, that God's going to roll things off us. Where there's going to be even spiritual intimidation coming off us where no longer, you're not under something. And each one of us are going to know what that is. And so believe and... If there's something that's been hanging on there and something you've even kind of, kind of put to the side, begin to pray. Okay, God, this is that thing. This is my Gilgal. This is the thing. You've got to roll this off me. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's a disease. Maybe it's something passed on generationally. Maybe it's a generational sin. Believe that God wants to roll this off. Verse 10, And the Israelites encamped in Gilgal, and they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month of, at evening in the plains of Jericho. And on that same day, they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. Here's here's a key verse I want to talk about. Verse 12. And the manna ceased on that day after they ate the produce of the land. And the Israelites had manna no more. But they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. And I knew that we can just know naturally in our head about the significance of manna we know that 40 years god provided bread for them in the wilderness but the deeper bread they should have been partaking with was the free open door that god wanted to have fellowship with them but they were so scared of god and his power that they let moses and joshua and the priests hang around god and they ignored yes they enjoyed their bread they had their stomachs filled for 40 years but they missed out and i I prayed i prayed god i know there's more of a significance in this, um, not no longer having your, your bread from heaven, the manna, heavenly bread, versus going in and eating of the produce of the land. And I just was praying. The last three weeks, I went praying, God, I would think about this verse and I'd say, God, there's something more. There's something more you want to say. There's a bigger significance in leaving off manna and eating the fruit of the land. And we were in the intercessor's uh, prayer on Thursday, and God spoke to me what it was. It's about, again, the familiar area of being in a wilderness where, yes, you have your knees met, but you no know you're not living that victorious life that God wants you. And the thing about the promised land was God was going to be with you, and it was about your experience in the land of facing your giants and overcoming the obstacles and living out your inheritance. Hillside and everyone's here, God has a fresh experience And who He is for you. And if you're living in the wilderness, and if you're relying even on old spiritual food, you are robbing yourself of what God has for you in the future. He wants to experience with you. And I I don't think it's an accident. And in Joshua, the same chapter, Joshua 5, 14 through 15, Jesus reveals Himself as the Lord of hosts with two angels to Joshua Confirming and affirming to him that he is going to be going with them into the promised land, even though he can't be seen it 's a spiritual thing he appears he appears to jo- to Joshua and I tell you the Lord will appear to you as you step into your giants as you step into what God has for you to inherit. And it has to be bigger than you think you can inherit. It has to be more overwhelming and intimidating than you think you can walk in and live in. But I tell you, that's the promised land. God has a fresh experience for you because he has a fresh testimony that's supposed to come out of your mouth. And as you experience God, the power of the Holy Spirit is upon you. Because remember, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. It's a spirit-filled, it's an empowered experience that transforms us. And it releases our spirit to use our body and to use our voice and to stand like, like in a strength that you, we, we don't stand at times. I don't know how you are at times, but when you know when you walk with God, there are times you feel it just rising up. You feel your spirit like, if, maybe if they measured you, would probably be maybe a fourth of an inch taller. It's just our spirit. When we're filled up with God, when we're walking with Jesus and the word of God is in our heart, we rise up. We ri- Something gets big inside of it. It's our spirit. Our spirit is what's going to leave this this earth suit. Our spirit is what's going to walk with Jesus. It, it's our spirit that's going to get a new earthly body. And that's what we're to feed. That's what to, we're, we're to walk with. We're walking with a living God. And we're supposed to have experiences. I hope Whatever need that you're facing today, when you go out the door, you're going to begin to pray and look and have an expectancy of how God's going to meet that need for you. God wants to meet your needs. Again, the enemy's going to tell you how bad you are, or he's going to tell you where you made a wrong turn and got off the road, or or how many years you're wasted. Forget it. Today is a new day. Today, the promised land stands before you and me. Today, you know, one giant at a time. They faced uh, Jericho was their first place of going into the Promised Land. Whatever your Jericho is, I, I think that like, you need to write down today. What is it? What is it, God specifically? And I think in our heart, and in our spirit, we come to know what God wants to give us victory, in. we come to know inside what we're supposed to overcome and what God's going to grant us. You know, fear is a is a big thing. Fear is is something that it's overwhelming. But it's something that God wants to dispel in our life so that we might experience him. And when you think of, uh, I, I felt like connecting this story also, the woman at the well from John 4. It was late in the day. Jesus and the disciples were hungry. Jesus was tired, so he sits down, and he's asking a drink from the lady at the, at the well. And the disciples are off going to get food. And when they returned, they saw something different about Jesus. This is John 4, 32. Jesus assured them, I have food and nourishment to eat of which you know nothing of and have no idea. When you begin to go into this place that God has for you, when you begin to allow God to be Lord in in your life and you begin to move into this promised land, there's going to be an excitement that you haven't had. And have you ever been so excited that you didn't eat? Come on, raise your hand. Has there ever, think about something that, a a situation or you were so excited that you couldn't eat. We all had those experiences. And Jesus was telling his disciples this. When Jesus sat down there, he was so hungry. He was so thirsty. But when he began to minister to that need of that woman in, in that place, there became an excitement because he was partnering in the will of God and he was reaching someone for Christ, for himself. I tell you, as you begin to press into your land, your life experiences, your experiences with God are going to be right there as people are around you. And you're going to find yourself just shifting conversations at times and sharing what God is doing. And you're going to see people come, come to the Lord. And at those places where you had apprehension about going into this new place or into this land, you're going to have a fulfillment that this is worth it. Because being satisfied spiritually is so hard to put into words. You can be going through the the, the heaviest thing, but when God uses you to impact another person, there is just another level of satisfaction that is worth it. And that's what God has for each one of us. Work. Anybody scared of work? Some of you I know are overwhelmed and have to work too hard. Philippians 2.12. Paul's admonishing the Philippians and us in this in these this verse. Therefore, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now not only with the enthusiasm you would show in my presence, but much more because I am absent. Work out, cultivate, carry out to the goal, and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling self-distrust, with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidity shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. When you think about work, when you're really working hard, you get tired. But the work he's asking us to do is not really... Um, A heavy-duty work, but really it's a work with our soul Because it's, it's our emotions and our will and our thoughts That looks at the things of god or looks at whatever life changes that we have to make And we just think it's overwhelming and we go sit on the couch or we we turn away from what god wants us to do But really It's just simply coming to god even bringing what you see as a resistance Praying about those giants in this land god is about ready to take you into and asking him for his help All we have to do is surrender our will. God is the one by the power of the Holy Spirit that does the work. So our work is simply grabbing hold of what the word says and bringing our will, bringing ourselves to God and letting him deal with our resistance. And then again, it's his power that does any changes that's going to happen in our life. Any changes that God wants to make, he's going to help us do. And when you know he's the one doing the work in us, and he's the one empowering the changes in us, it's a little bit easier. Even though it looks so overwhelming and so impossible, that's exactly where God wants to show you his, show you his power. In First Timothy 4, 7, and 8, Refuse and avoid irreverent legends, profane and impure godless fictions, with or mere grandmother's tales, and silly myths, And express your disapproval of them. Train yourself toward godliness, keeping yourself spiritually fit. For physical training is of some value, some usefulness. But godliness, spiritual training, is useful and of value in everything and in every way. For it holds promise for the present life and also for the life which is to come. Here's a simple work that Jesus asks us to do. This is John 6, 27 and 20 through 29. Jesus had just fed the crowd of 5,000, so there was a crowd following him. Their stomachs were full, and he knew this guy could supply things. And he says to them, Stop toiling and doing and producing for the food that perishes and decomposes in the using, but strive and work and produce Rather for the lasting food which endures continually unto life eternal. The son of man will give. He will furnish you that. For God the father has authorized and certified him and put his seal of endorsement upon him. They Then they said, What are we to do that we may habitually be working the works of God? What are we to do to carry out what God requires? And Jesus replied, This is the work the service that god asks of you that you believe in the one whom he has sent that you cleave to trust in and rely on and have faith in him that's our work again anytime something counters a thought or uh, an, an opportunity that counters what you know in your heart again there's a whole nerve center awakened here in our relationship with god it's our spirit and when we go by our heart, when we go by how the Holy Spirit is relating, because he relates spirit to our reborn spirit, out of this inner place, God, you'll know what God wants of you, and you'll know when, when your mind and other things are trying to take you a different, different direction. And so every time you do what God wants you to do, you're acting in faith. You're sowing into the future.